I like to connect whatever we learn on this podcast with the time of the year, whether it is a Yom Tev or um, something that is coming. And since uh, there's absolutely nothing happening now in the month of Tevis uh, from now on, I picked a story from Masachas Yuma, Daf Lamed Hei Amud Beis, which actually talks about snowing in Tevis. Right here in Montreal, this is nothing new, but it's nice to see what happened in Eretz soil in Tevis. Welcome to another episode of En Yaakov Beyond the Story. The Gemara tells us, when the Ani or the Ashir, or the, the, meaning the poor man, the rich man, or a Rasha, a wicked person, someone who actually gives in to Yitzhara, that's how the Mephashim explain it, when they uh, come to the judgment after 120, they will be asked, the first question, the Gemara says elsewhere, that we being asked, Lemailam, is about how much Torah did we learn? Did we set aside time to learn Torah? So therefore, that will be the first question. And when we ask the poor man, so then why did you not learn Torah? So if he says, I was poor and therefore I was very busy with uh, earning a livelihood. Were you more, were you poorer than Hillel? And there goes the question, then, then goes the story, how? Hillel, even though he was very poor, he made sure to study Torah to the point of Mesus Nefesh. Here comes a very famous story that I expect you to know, but it's always interesting to learn it from the text, from the inside. And as always, the nuance that there is in the wording of the Gemara sheds a lot of light on uh, what the true inner meaning is. So the story goes that Amru Alav Azaken Every day Hillel Azaken would work and his uh, earning would be just uh, a tarpaik, which is half a dinar, not a lot of money. Imagine today would be half a dollar. Half of it he will keep to pay his entrance fee to the Besmedrish, and the other half he would give to uh, his family uh, in order to sustain his family, his family's livelihood. One time he did not find means to uh, earn money. The guard of the Besmedrash did not allow him to come in. But he very much wanted to uh, learn Torah. So what did he do? He went up and he suspended himself at the, the, um, the skylight. Um, so he could hear from Ben Ishchai writes in Ben Yehoyada that the words used over here, so he could hear Divre means that it was a time in which Shmaya would study Pnimiya Satoira, you know, Kabbalah. 
And this was a time in which not everybody was able to, uh, to, to listen because we know that in those days, not everybody was really um, privy to listen and, and hear Primius Atayra. This was done according to Benishchai Dafka on a Friday night and Dafka late at night. This is the time in which, um, in which they would be learning and talking amongst themselves about Primus Atayre. Hillel wanted to come in already on Friday or to pay his dues on Friday, but the Shem of Besmedrish told him, if you're not going to pay, I'm not going to let you in. So that's why he went up and he put himself by the skylight. Amru Oisoi Hayoim Erev Shabbos Hayoim Teves Hoysa. It was an Erev Shabbos and it was uh, in the season of Teves, which means right now, this time of year. Snow descended upon him from heaven. Again, Ben Ishchai is asking, where else will the snow come from if not from heaven? Uh, it's, it's a given. Snow fell upon him. Where else? It's of course coming from heaven. So he's saying by saying that, that it came from heaven, is a way of saying that even though it was Tevez, it wasn't supposed to be snowing yet, or it wasn't <clears throat> a freezing day. Because had it be a freezing day, or a cold day where, where snow is expected, Hillel would not have endangered himself. So it was a little bit of what we are living right now. Uh, presently it is Tevez and it's above zero, so we're doing, we're doing well. And this is According to Benishchai, this is what was happening then. So Hillel climbed up. And Hashem made the snow fall in an unnatural, unnatural manner. Uh, why? Just so we could learn the message of this story. Even though the Iyun Yaakov, which is written by the one who had composed and uh, gathered and uh, compiled the Iyun Yaakov, the Yaakov ben Chaviv, the Iyun Yaakov writes that in fact, um, the fact that it's, it's emphasizing, that the Gemara is emphasizing that he went up when it was snowing, is uh, a snow day to show us the Misus Nefesh of, uh, of Hillel, that despite the snow he went and he was ready to sit there in the snow just so he could hear the words of Shmaya Vaftalion. So it's uh, two different opinions of whether or not it was a snowy day to begin with or the snow came upon him, definitely from the wording of the Mishnah, I would have to side with the Benishchai. Um, so, the snow came from heaven upon him. When uh, the, the, the day broke, Every day, every day it is light over here. And today, why is it that it is dark? Why is it dark? Maybe it is a cloudy day. Once again, when Ishchai gives a, a very, uh, and Marsha also speak a, a, an inner message to this, but I'll, I'll skip for now. Maybe it is, uh, a cloudy day. So then, they picked up their eyes and they saw that there was the appearance of a man in the skylight. They found on him 
upon him, on top of him, uh, snow that was high, three amois high. Three amois of snow. Parkuhu veichitsuhu vesichuhu veushivu kenegadamdora. They took him, they took off the snow from him, they washed him with warm water, they, 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 have, they anointed him with oil and sat him opposite the fire and for him to warm up. Amru Chachamim say, for such a person, it is appropriate to be Mechalel Shabbos. Um, because he really risked himself, uh, you know, to learn Torah. The Mephoshim are asking, really, you are Mechal Shabbos to save the life of anyone. That's the law, that's the din. What does it mean? Because he was uh, so uh, devoted to Limuda Torah, then it was worth it to, to be Mechal Shabbos. Uh, it be Mechal Shabbos for anybody. So some Mephoshim explained that in his case, he put himself in danger by going on, up on the roof, in a cold day when it was snowing and staying there, even though the snow was falling upon him, he put himself in danger. And there's a machlekes, whether or not one has to save the life of somebody who caused the danger to himself. Could, do you have to be Mechalel Shabbos to save the life of someone who did it to himself? However, they say that because of Hillel, it was an issue of um, devotion to Limudat Torah, so then... Definitely, it was worth it and, and uh, allowed to do that. Um, so then, you know, the, what is the message from this uh, story so far is that uh, Hillel's sacrifice to Limud Torah, despite his poverty, pretty much takes away any excuse from anyone who would say, I was poor, so I needed to work for a living, and I was so busy with my job that I couldn't learn Torah. Because look, could have done what Hillel did. Um, then goes to the second story, and perhaps this one I'm going to um, I'm going to tell it instead of reading it, because then it will um, be a little shorter. That Ashir Oimrim Loim Ipnemalo Asakta Betoire to the to the rich man they ask, why didn't you learn Toire? So he says, so if he says, if he says, I was busy, I was rich, and I was busy managing my, my business. You were not richer than Rabbi Lazar ben Kharsum. That he said, they say about Rabbi Lazar ben Kharsum, the story goes that his father left him a thousand um, cities on, on land. And uh, corresponding to them, he also left him a thousand ships doing business at sea. Because, you know, ships were the, the mode of uh, transportation. So whether you yourself were um, selling, exporting or so on, or, you, or if you were just transporting the goods, having a thousand ships was really the, the way to make money. So in addition to his thousand cities from which he would collect rent and taxes and so on, he would also have a business booming of a thousand uh, ships doing, uh, doing business at, at sea. And nonetheless, he never got involved with his business. All he did, he would go, he would take some, some flour with him, a flask of, of flour on his shoulder, and we'd go from city to city, 
um, just to learn Torah from wherever he could learn Torah from. And it says at one time he crossed over one of his own cities and um, his servants, who didn't know who he was, uh, pressed him, stopped him, and they pressed him to do what the Gemara called Angaria, which means the master service. The custom was in those days that if you own land, the landlord had a right to stop any of the tenants and force them to do work of maintenance of that property. So if you own a city, you could stop anybody living in the city that you own and force them to um, fix the roads, for example. And that's a tax that's a way of it. You know, one of the taxes that you could collect, one of the benefits. So they stopped him and they, they had no idea who he was. So he tells them, listen, please, let me go and learn Torah. And, uh, you know, we'll give you some, I'll give you some money, you know, just like let somebody else do it for me. They told, they told him, We swear on the life of Rabbi ben Chasum that we're not going to let you off the hook. That was him. And they never saw him. He never saw them. They, they had no idea who he was. Because, he says, Then, night, all he was doing is learning Torah. That's all he was doing. So therefore, the Gemara says, from here you learn that even if you're very rich and very busy with a lot of businesses, Rabbi Hassan was richer than you, he was busier than you, and yet he matured to, to, to learn Torah that night. So then, therefore, there is no excuse anymore. Then finally he brings the, the Rasha Imrim Loi when they tell the Rasha, why didn't you learn Torah? He will say, well, I was, um, he says, uh, if he says, I was handsome, I was entangled with my inclinations. In other, in other words, I had you know, many other opportunities. I was busy, busy with other things. So we, t- we tell him, you were not more handsome than Yosef, and yet we find that when Yosef was into a, a, you know, compromising situations in the house of Potiphar, he completely rejected any opportunity to sin and, um, and repeatedly rejected it um, because he was also, even though he was busy with running the business and not only was running the business, he also had opportunity to to, to, to party, let's call it, and he didn't because he stayed faithful to the Torah that he learned with Yosef, with, with uh, Yaakov, as we learned in last week's parasha, that even he sent the Agolis to show Yaakov that, remember, that's the last thing we're learning. I've been reviewing whatever I learned with you the whole time. So then the Gemara concludes, Nimtza, so it comes out from this, that Hillel Mechayev Hillel obligates the poor people um, who do not study Torah. Rabbi Lazar ben Chasum mechayev esashirim. Rabbi Lazar ben Chasum obligates the wealthy one. And Yosef mechayev esareshoim. Yosef obligates the reshoim. So, of course, the, um, the obvious message, the obvious message that we learn from this, as we, as we uh, stated, is that when it comes to, um, to when it comes to judgment, and the question will be asked, why didn't you learn Torah? Nobody anymore could use the pretext or the excuse of being rich, poor, or busy with um, 
suffering, for example, like Yosef who was put in jail or busy with other occupations that could have been a Yosef thing. Um, and uh, could also alternatively explain that Mechayev means that he, he obligates, meaning that he's, he's, he's obliging everybody, he's forcing everybody to learn, because right now you have absolutely no excuse. However, this argument seems to be, to be really unnecessary. Why? Is because we know that there is a chiyuv to learn Torah Yemen Valayla. Everybody, rich or poor, that everybody must learn Torah at every possible time that you have. So therefore, why do we need to bring in over here a Hillel Mechayev Ashirim, Rabbi Lazar Hillel Mechayev Esa'anim, Rabbi Lazar Mechayev Esa'ashirim? It's, it's a clear din. You have a free moment, learn Torah, whether you, you're rich or you're poor. So we must say, that there is, there is in this Maise something that is deeper than just rich or poor. And we'll get that, to that a little later in this, in this podcast. What, what does it really mean, rich or poor? It must mean, mean more than just wealth. But let's, let's first, you know, we cannot take out the Indian from, from the Pshat. So let's begin with the Pshat. In the Pshat... There is an interesting, uh, an interesting pshat on the pasuk. Rabbi's machshava is belevish ve'atzas Hashem hisakum. So the Rebbe says that the word he is rashetevus for these three people that we mentioned: Hillel, Yosef, and Elazar. Hillel, Yosef Atzadik, and Elazar ben Chasum. How does that? He says that he. How does that connect with the pasuk? So the Pasuk says, People make a lot of cheshboinus. People have a lot of thoughts. And they worry about all kinds of things. And at the end of the day, it is Hashem's, Hashem's will, Hashem's idea that will prevail. That's Hashem. So, so Chassidim would say, why bother with the Rabbis Machshavos if anyways you know that at the end of the day it's going to be Hashem's plan. So stop worrying. But if we need more convincing, rabbis, it's plural, a lot of machshavis. And not just a lot of machshavis, but when we start worrying about our parnasa, about other things, the many ideas that come up, each one completely negates the other one. One machshava is in a complete stir with the other one. We worry about one thing, and then we start worrying about something that's completely in the opposite, and it keeps on going like this. That's only mebalbel. That only you know it, it 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 confuses us more than anything else. The reason why there is many machshavos that they cannot coexist. One always negates the other. Is because it's machshavos coming mitzad nefesh bahamis, and we know that in klipes there is no iskalelus, no cohabitation. When it comes to klipes, for example. When it comes to Kedusha, you have Chesed and you have Gvura, but you have Gvura Shebe Chesed, Chesed Shebe Gvura. When it comes to, to the Sitra Achred, it, it can't. It, it, there is only Chesed or only Gvura. That's the concept of Ischalkus, things that are separated, as opposed to Ischalkus. So therefore, the Rabbois Machshavois, that all the Machshavois, the many, many Machshavois, that cannot coexist, that one pushes the other one, and once you start resolving one, another one comes up, and so on. That's coming from Nefesh Bahamis. 
Atzas Hashem, that's in singular, is one machshava. What should you transform your many machshavas by? What should you replace them? The rabbi's machshava should be replaced with the machshava achas. What is this machshava achas? One machshava bitochen in Hashem. That when you have faith that anyways at the end of the day, it is atzas Hashem hisakum. So therefore, you know that that is the only machshava you have to have in mind. Forget the rabbi's machshavas and you won't be confused. Are you worried about, uh, you know, your, your parnasa and so on? So, so the Pasuk says, When you are going to eat the, the, the fruit of the effort of your hands, not of your machshavas, but your, your hands, the Pasuk says, Hashem is going to bless you in all of you that you will do. The hadgosha, the emphasis is on the ta'ase, a'asiya, which is the lowest of our keiches. An action is done with your hand, not by your machshavis. Berachecho Hashem Elokecho is not coming with your machshavis, with your rabbi's machshavis. It's coming with your ta'ase, you have to do, you do, your, you do your part. That concern and constant flow of machshavis is not only by the oni, that is always worrying, how am I going to pay my bills? So therefore, he has a bunch of machshavis. But even more by the ashir. Because the more a person is ashir, the more the richer he is, or the more occupied he is with his businesses, the more he's going to have this, this trouble, troubling thoughts all the time about what's, am I doing the right thing? Where can I, can I make more money? What's going on with the other uh, branch of the business? And so on. The rabbi's machshavis is also by, by ashiris, not just by anis. And this pasuk is, 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 is applicable to both. Stop with your rabbi's machshavis. Concentrate on machshavachas. Bitochen. And this we say to the rich and to the poor as well. And that's why the he is Rashatevis of Hillel, Yosef, and Elazar. In reference to these three stories that we just mentioned from this, from this Gemara, is that Hillel, no matter how poor he was, he learned Torah in any situation. And Rabbi Elazar, the same, with all the tirdes that will come with rich, with wealth, he is learning, he's learning Torah nonetheless. And Yosef, Actually, in this uh, part, the Rebbe refers to Yosef more from the fact that he had Yisurim, he had suffering, more than what the Gemara talks about, his opportunity to, to, uh, you know, to, to give in to Yitzhara. Yosef was Besa Asurim, he was in prison. He was, he was sold as a slave. Then he went to prison. And nonetheless, no matter which situation he was, that's worse of an Isayan than Wealth or rich, he learned Torah nonetheless. So that's the idea of having the bitochen because Atzas Hashem is he. We learn from the he, from these three people, that really the Ebesh is the one giving you the, the parnasa. But then, let's go back to the question I was asking before. Alpidin, everybody is supposed to learn Torah day and night. Of course, there is a minimal requirement for the person who is really busy Alpidin. At least, you're supposed to learn a little bit in the day, a little bit at night. But really, 
I mean, the beginning of Tanya, he has very harsh words about somebody who has time to learn Torah and instead is wasting it doing something else. We're really supposed to be learning Torah anytime and there is no difference whether one is rich or poor. So what is this Chiddush of the Gemara that, Rebbe, that Hillel Mechayev Aniyim and Rabbi Elazar Mechayev Ashirim it applies to everybody. The Rebbe in Ilches answers that question. So Ilches Talmud in Peregimel, in the first Aloche, in the Kuntres Achroin, the Alter Rebbe says that Alpidin Hillel was not obligated to learn that as much as he did. He was only earning a tarpik half a dinar. Alpidin, he's totally allowed to spend more time working so he could get a little more money for his family and not um, suffice with the bare minimum. It would have been totally fine, Alpidin, for him to spend more time working and less time learning Torah. And the same for Rabbi Lazar ben Khasum. Somebody who has businesses, this is the, you know, the Yisachar and Zvulun uh, partnership, which is the partnership that is okay, Alpi Torah. If somebody is busy learning Torah so much, uh, if somebody is busy learning Torah so much, he doesn't have the means to support himself. So then that's why we have a Rabbi Lazar ben Khasum, a very rich guy, who's busy with his work and he's working and therefore Alpidin, his job requires a lot of his time and occupation. So he could deal with his business and with the money he will take his support and he'll be okay with learning only in the free time that he has. So the Altarebbe says that really what this Maise is, the, the, the stories are telling us is that Alpidin, they were not mechuyev to learn that much. And yet they did. That means they went to the Midas Hasidis, they went to the Mishur Hasidin. So then is it, is it really applicable to all of us? So the Rebbe says, yes. The fact that they started learning Torah this way, is, is, despite their poverty or their wealth, they have paved the way for us to be able to do the same. And to learn Torah despite our occupations. Are we worried where the Parnassah is going to come? So we said before, Don't worry, the Ebishter is going to give you, don't make cheshbenes. But to take this a little deeper now, I'd like to take it to the next dimension. Um, being that everybody is obligated to learn Torah, as we said before, we must say that this, these stories also have a deeper meaning when it comes to wealth. The Gemara tells us, Poverty, wealth applies to our mind, our knowledge. There could be someone who's very rich, you know, financially is doing very well, but he's an ignorant. Such a person, Bedas, is considered poor. There are other people who are very poor, and yet they're very knowledgeable. Such person is called a Oshir. So then, we could now look at these two stories from a deeper dimension. One could come with a pretext, with an excuse. We ask him, why aren't you learning Torah? He says, because I'm very poor. I'm an ignorant. I've never had the opportunity to learn much. And therefore, I can't learn. I can't learn, so I'm not going to learn. What am I shy to learn? Mm. Simple stuff? Nah. So we tell him, 
well, you were not as poor as Hillel and his children, meaning, regardless of your level of knowledge, regardless of your wealth or poverty, you still have an obligation to learn. Why? The tachlis, the effect actually, of learning, Torah, is, the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, in Peregdalet, that it unifies us with the Ebeshter, in a yichud nifla, that is not comparable to anything in the physical realm in which two complete opposites come together. That Hashem's Chochmah, which is infinite, becomes one with our intellect, which is finite. We unify with the Eibishter through learning Torah. That unification is actually taking place regardless of our level or regardless of what it is that we're learning. If somebody is only Shaykh to learn, a Pasuk Chumash, he's going to have that same unification with the Eivishter. The Yichud Niflo is the same. No matter how poor you are, if somebody is only able to learn something that is written in, in English or in a different language and stories of the Torah is all he's, he's able to understand, well, that is his way of connecting with the Eivishter. So no matter how poor you are, no matter how, how ignorant one may be, he has absolutely no excuse not to learn Torah because whatever Torah is going to learn at his own level is going to connect him with the Ebishter. And the same applies to the rich. There are those who would say that I have learned a lot of Torah and I have unified with the Ebishter in a way in which my finite intellect connects with the Ebishter, which is infinite. But I'd like to connect with the Ebishter in an infinite way, in a way of Misrus Nefesh. A different avoider, not through Limuda Torah, because Limuda Torah at the end of the day is still limited to my own to my own knowledge. So to him we say, even if you are very rich, even if you are very knowledgeable, there is still plenty you could connect with the Abishter because the Torah is infinite. The Torah is infinite. So therefore, as much as you know, there is more to learn. As much as you connected with the Eibishter, there is more of a connection that you could achieve by learning Torah more. Now the truth is that for most of us, we are neither poor or rich. You know, we're kind of the, the middle class, right? Um, and uh, that applies as well for our Torah knowledge. Today, nobody's an ignorant. Anybody could open any book and everything is available. Uh, in all time, in all type of media. So nobody is really poor, but really nobody, not too many of us are really rich in terms of wisdom and toilet. So where does that put us? This, this story is talking about the rich and the poor. Okay, the one who suffers. Where, where do we fit in? What is the message for us? So the Rebbe explains that when you are at whatever level, whatever, has, as much as you have achieved so far in Limuda Torah, when you are going to put in an effort and take it to the next level, that is considered a, a, a only poverty because you are acknowledging that you don't know yet everything. You are making that effort to learn deeper. So that's considered somebody who is learning Torah from poverty, meaning that you will continuously 
seek to learn more and go deeper. Not to be satisfied with just a perekechot shachis, perekechot arvis. I have my few, my few kvius, I have my few things I listen to, I have my shiurim I follow, and that's where I stop. No, that's somebody who's satisfied where he's at. You consider yourself rich then. It's telling you, learn from Hillel. Learn from Rabbi Elazar. Constantly look to learn something deeper and to take it to the next level. And as the Mishnah says in Perkei Oves, Kol HaMekayim, Esa Me'oyni soifoy lekaimom be'oysher, when one constantly learns Torah as if he was a poor man, meaning a poor bedas, poor in knowledge, constantly looking for something deeper and more to learn, and making more effort, at the end, the Ebishter will bless him, that, and the Ebishter should bless us, that we should be able to learn Torah with wealth, begashmias, and wealth, beruchnias, understanding the depth of the Torah, and doing this without any machshaves, with just the bitochen that has been fulfilled, that we have all that we need, betoy vanire vanigle.